Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois, 42-17 to the final on Kyle Williams Day in Buffalo, New York. And an extra special episode. We're trying something new for a change. With everybody out and about, I'm here by myself at the Bills Bar in Chicago. But I've got folks on FaceTime audio. Folks, actually FaceTime video, but I'm not taking advantage of the video, but the, but the listeners don't care. Kyle Williams Day, 42-17. Joining us, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Oh, well, that's just... Oh, no. Well, that's just... Oh, there oh I, was on, I was on mute. Sorry. Yeah, you sure were. Oh, God. Oh, for God's sake. Do so I need to start over again? Keep it going. Come Keep on. Keep it going. Okay. And from Austin, Texas, Jim and Jeff Day is with us as well. Hey, hey, hey. Pleasure to be here. And all the way from Brew City, USA, Buffalo Bill Nichols also here today. What up, guys? So we actually did record the first 15 minutes of this podcast only to discover that I hadn't plugged in the thing that was recording to the computer. So now we're starting over again. If you're joining us for the first time, subscribe on iTunes and tell everybody in Bill's Nation how you found us. Folks, a lot to go over. It was a big-time win against a team we should have beaten twice this year. It was Kyle Williams' last day in Orchard Park. So let's not waste any more time and get into it now. Clank. Jinx. Well, 42-17 to 17 in the final, and there was a lot to be happy about in this contest. And, of course, Kyle Williams' day in western New York and we'll get to all the things that were wonderful about it but first we should talk about some of the things that could have been a little better and Buffalo Bill we'll start with you your Jenny Cremel bummer of today's contest yeah man so you know, my bummer of this game is just our wide receiving core um, I mean outside of Zay Jones and Robert Foster we had that nice catch there in the end zone Croom, uh, I don't consider a receiver but Man, I just can't wait to get some legit receivers in here. Uh, at least give me one. You know what I mean? At least give me one and have Zay be our number two. But, um, yeah, uh, the, re- the receivers leave a little bit of something to be desired. And between the impact that a number one wide receiver could make and a running game that might actually work, it's it's really hard to think about this offense in 2019 and not think that, wow, the sky is the limit. Also, Jeff, want to address one thing with you real quick after a quick bit of sleuthing by your wife and the revelation that Jason Kroom dating the uh, daughter of Tim and Carrie Pagula, Kelly Pagula. I've had a chance to think about this and I was looking at the post that you sent us. So she had posted something to Instagram about them celebrating their one year anniversary, which means they started dating before he was a Buffalo Bill and he was an undrafted rookie free agent. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Now, that's interesting. I did not realize that. I sort of assumed that they had been dating since he was part of the team. You're breaking news to me. Well, it was. it's from the screenshot you sent. Well, I guess I didn't look at it very carefully. <laughs> or, or, do the ma- or do the math, perhaps. Well, on that note, why don't you give us some analysis on, analysis on today's game? Your uh, Jenny Cremel bummer of the contest. What a game. Can't wait to get to the Labatt Blue MVPs and talk about this game further. Um, but in, in the meantime, um, in my mind, there was only there's only one player truly deserving of the of the uh, Jenny Cremel bummer of today's game. And that happens to be someone who will call a former Buffalo Bill, Mr. Kiko Alonzo, um, for yet another dirty, uh, dirty play um, against a quarterback. This is now his third or fourth infraction 
uh, like this. Um, would not surprise me if he sees a significant penalty for being a repeat offender on these dirty hits. I also didn't appreciate the way in which sort of after it all went down, he handled himself. He had a lot of smirks and sort of laughed his way off the field. So, um, Kiko Alonso, I know you were once beloved uh, as the Buffalo Bill. You're long since forgotten and now part of this, this new um, and ever what seems to be growing uh, sense of players that the this Bills roster has has um, a problem with Leonard Fournette, Kiko Alonso. I love it, yeah. um, and so my bummer of today's name goes goes to uh, Kiko Alonso. Um, and on that note, so like you said, he's a repeat offender. I sent you guys via our group text the WGR call. Did you have a chance to listen to that? WGR retweeted out Mark Kelso was going nuts. Mark Kelso, he literally said that he was ready to go down on the field and give Kiko Alonso a piece of his mind. And <laughs> and it's one thing to be a repeat offender, but this is the kind of thing, to, like, it really cheapens the integrity of the game. And I, and I know that I say that knowing full well that this is a league that reinstates men who beat their wives and do, do an insanely horrible things off the field. But when you're on the field, like, you can't just take cheap shots at a guy who has given himself up and he's done it now three or four times. He did it twice in today's game alone. Yeah, in terms of the on-the-field stuff, this is the single most um, important thing in terms of the league, the league's desire to eliminate from the game, right? Keep the quarterbacks healthy. Keep uh, uh, keep unnecessary hitting out of the game. And then this is like the convergence of convergence of both of those things. It's an aggressive hit and against a quarterback. Yeah, and, and you know, so they're they're cracking down on aggressive hits against quarterbacks that are legal. Correct. Right. Did, so yeah, go ahead, did, Cass. Didn't anyone think it was funny that CBS had all the highlights queued up of Kiko Alonso's past like quarterback infractions, like just waiting for him to do something else again, poor to a quarterback? So I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, that I is funny, Cass. That's funny. That is funny to think about the like the production behind that like they have queued up the like kiko's an asshole um <laughs> tape you know like ready to go at all times <laughs> Cass, coming to you now um yes your and i don't want to dwell too much on the negative here because it was such a fantastic day in in western new york but your jenny cremel bummer of today's contest no i'm taking an early hit on someone who i think is going to have a lot of appearances in the 2019 Jenny Cremel Bummers of the week, and that is Trent Murphy. All right. I, I know he had a, the, the fumble recovery today, but that was probably the easiest play he ever could have made. The guy literally and dropped he, it. Yeah, and he is just, I'm sorry, he is just slow, and he is not big. It's, he's kind of like the, a version of Aaron Schobel, like... But worse, he's like he's like a worse version of Chris Kelsey. He's actually Ryan, worse, Ryan Denny. He's a worse version of Ryan Denny. Yeah, it, it, it's just horrible. And I mean, not to make it matters worse, but he's going to get paid north of five million dollars next year, which is more than Kyle Williams made this year. Hmm. It's hmm. disgusting. Well, when you put it that way, yeah. I'll tell you else who looks slow today was Shady McCoy, but we're not going to get into that again. Fucking <laughs> joke. Yeah, um, I think I think we have a moratorium on complaining about our special teams and Shady McCoy. I mean, at this point, might as well because everybody's sick of hearing it. Uh, but I'm giving my Jenny Cremail to the penalty for intentional grounding because for the life of me, I can't determine exactly what it is that we intend to call out there. There is the spirit of the law. A quarterback cannot just throw the ball away when he's 
otherwise going to get sacked or when something bad can happen. And then there's the letter of the law, which gives him all of the intangibles and all of the ways out of being penalized for that. And for the life of me, I can't make heads or tails of which is which and what we intend to call because it seems like we constantly err on the side of the letter of the law, never on the side of the spirit of the law. Josh Allen got dinged for it today. Ryan Tannehill did not. Tom Brady never does, but Tom Brady is constantly sidestepping defenders and just spiking the ball into the ground. And it's like, oh, okay, that's fine because he did this thing which is stipulated under the rule, but he's clearly just getting rid of the ball. Josh Allen today, to me, appeared to be outside the tackle box. I cannot figure out what is and what is not intentional grounding. They need to rewrite the rule. You know what's the you know um, the the rule that Brady was sort of responsible for? I'm drawing, I'm I'm losing track on the name against the Raiders many years ago in the, the playoffs. The tuck the rule. Tu- the tuck rule. Well, oh, I thought it was, was in the grasp. I thought it was in the grasp. Rule. The tuck rule. I feel like Brady. They need a new name for this intentional grounding. Also, also inspired from Brady. He does it all the time. I mean, he yeah. I mean, he did it two or three times just last week, and he never gets flagged for it. But he's clearly intentionally grounding. The ball. Cass, coming back to you now because it was a glorious day in Western New York. Again, Kyle Williams Day. More on that later. Who was your Labatt Blue MVP of today's contest? I'm standing by my boy, number 17, Josh Allen, with five touchdowns today. You can't complain about a game like that. No, and I'll tell you what, Jordan Mills got ejected. If Jordan Mills hadn't jumped in, I think Josh Allen was ready to take a swing at Kiko Alonso. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just the guy has – God, he's got huge balls out there. His decision-making is so much – is improving so much. When he was running today, he knew that he was running. He was doing it at the right time. I know we had some accuracy issues. I think we have to work on the quick slant routes where he was trying to make connections with Zay Jones. Ooh, it's, yeah. it's a work in progress. But I even loved it on the broadcast today. They, today they were saying Josh Allen already knows what he needs to work on this offseason. I mean, the guy's just so passionate about the game. I am so freaking excited for 2019. And all you haters, Lars and Sujit, what? earlier in the season that were questioning Josh Allen, jump on my back. You can ride. What? Oh, oh, wow. Oh, shots fired. Shots you're worse. Fired. You're worse than Jeremy White. <laughs> We can pull it back up. It was our it was our our broadcast at um, Bitter Pops when you two were so negative on him, and I just I know it deep in my heart, man. Uh, you should go back and listen to that because I don't think you'll hear me say anything negative about Josh Allen. Do I get to be the Labatt Blue MVP for taking Jeremy White to the mat in a Twitter exchange that lasted like nine or ten different tweets? Yes. Yeah, Thanks. sure. I mean, I still <laughs> Jeremy, I, I Jeremy White probably is I, I don't even know what you guys were arguing about. I mean, I knew what started it, but the talent. I was like. Why are you guys still bickering back and forth like two grandmas? What were we arguing about? Mostly him being a smug prick. Coming to you now, Bill. Uh, your Labatt Blue MVP of today's contest. Yeah, my Labatt Blue MVP is going to go out to the uh, to our coaching staff. Uh, but I guess you can say specifically Sean McDermott for allowing Kyle to be sent off the way that he was, getting him involved in the uh, in the offense that one uh, goal line play uh, the. That uh, pass and, and catch that he had, and then um, that that you know taking the timeout to allow Kyle to come off on the field to get a standing ovation. It's just a really classy, classy move by him, and uh, it just goes to show um, the way that he treats his players. And hopefully, 
word gets around the league, um, Micah Hyde and, and the veterans that, that are going to be around here um, for the next couple of years are going to be able to talk about how, you know what, like, guess what, guys? Like, you want to come and play for this guy because uh, he's legit. He'll treat you well. More on that in a second. Jeff, coming to you now. Round us out. You're the Bat Blue MVP of today's contest. Yeah, I love it. And I, I couldn't agree more with Cassie and Bill so far. Great picks. Um, and while Cassie picked the the leader and the, 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 the quarterback on the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to um, mirror that for the defensive side of the ball and give my MVP for today's contest to Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah. Who um, I th- thought had his best game <clears throat> probably as a rookie, at least on the stat sheet. Um, had a great interception, one-handed interception. Had a, had a good sack where he sort of like pushed over the running back that was that was um, trying to block him and sort of was all over the field today. So, uh, so much to be excited about. So much promise out of our two young rookies on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. They both ended with with some of their better games um, and, and just so much to be to look forward to come to the 2019. Absolutely. The future is bright. I'm going to give my um, I'm going to give a runner up here as a little uh, bone toss to Billy. Uh, to Shaq Lawson, who we've talked about on this podcast, who I'm still not convinced, even after today's performance, that he's playing up to the standards of a first-round pick. But he's having himself a nice little season. Uh, he needs to be better. And like I said, everybody gets kind of handicapped when it comes to sacking Ryan Tannehill, something we do very often and have been doing it very often now for seven seasons. But I like the way this guy plays. But of course, if we're going to talk about today's game... It's a week 17 win, a meaningless win against you know between two teams that finished the season with a losing record. And I'm going to cheat a little bit. Uh, he's probably been for the now 10 full seasons that we've done this podcast. I don't think I've given my Labatt Blue MVP to anybody more often than I've given it to him. It was his final day, his swan song in Buffalo. Kyle Williams, not only does he get the MVP of today's game because it was all about him, he gets the Lifetime Achievement Award, and I'll be goddamned if there's a player in this roster right now who will take it from him anytime soon. The meatball. Yeah. I mean, what a, what, a, what a day. And, Bill, you commented on it. You can elaborate further. But what a send-off um, by the coaching staff and the organization who had planned so much of that out. And then having the opportunities to put him on the field twice on the offensive side, uh, that was fun. And then, as Bill mentioned in his MVP uh, Sean having the classiness to to sort of allow him his um, you know uh, to come off the field for one last one last applause and one last celebration by the players. That was a great moment. So I want can to we, go, go ahead, Cass. Can we just talk about his hands? Why has he not been a wide receiver on our team for more than just one play today? And also, he, he has better hands than some of our our wide receivers that we cut this year. And to that point, Cass, you'd think that like getting him out into space one on one with a cornerback, he's probably going to win that matchup every time. Yeah. Once can you guys imagine it? Can you imagine if Josh like overthrew that pass? <laughs> <laughs> So I want to go one by one because, again, 13 years and we started this podcast in 2009 just as just as people were starting to come around on, wow, this guy that we drafted in the fifth round two years ago is pretty good. We have been on the Kyle Williams bandwagon this whole time. I remember his first game as a Bill. It was the first game that I ever watched with, with, with Billy and Cass. I had watched games with Jeff before. First play of the game was a strip sack from Takeo Spikes. Uh, that went to six against the Patriots in Foxborough against Tom Brady. Um, oh, yeah. 
And, you know, it's just when you think back to that and you think of all the time in between and all the stuff this guy has given to the franchise, to boil it down to one moment, to one favorite Kyle Williams moment is going to be really, really tough. But I'd like to go first. And it's not a play. It's not something he said. It was the look on his face when they had the cameras in the locker room and he was there with his kids when T.J. Boyd went with Taylor Boyd, T.J. Boyd, whatever the guy's name is. from. The, yeah, you know what I'm talking. Tyler Boyd. When Tyler Boyd went to the house last year in Baltimore and it put the Buffalo Bills that much closer to going to the playoffs, all the Bengals had to do from that point out was just to stop the, stop the Ravens from scoring. Everybody was hoping for a first down or a long fourth down play. Instead, they got the touchdown. And for a brief second, there's a look on Kyle Williams' face of utter disbelief. And it, co- it is a combination of terror and joy that everything that this man had spent his entire life working toward had finally come true. And I think that 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 look on his face resonates with me and will probably always resonate with me is because it was what every Bills fan everywhere was also feeling in that moment. It was that, oh my God, it's happening. And then the unfettered joy which came after it. And for a guy who has been the heart of the Buffalo Bills and everything about this team, that the community and the city loves, that moment, I think, will forever be what it is to be a Buffalo Bill and what it was for Kyle Williams to be a part of this family, which he will always be a part of. Cass, we'll come to you now. Is there any moment about Kyle Williams that you would like to share? You know, it a lot of moments from that game that you're talking about where he rushed for the touchdown and had that amazing uh, celebration in the end zone where they like threw the ball up that apparently was completely unplanned. But I would say the one thing, and it kind of all came together today, is my grandmother um, on my father's side, so my dad's mom, and one of the reasons why we always went to Buffalo and one of the reasons why we're a huge Buffalo Bills fan was Grandma Rita. And she loved calling the Bills the Buffalo Williamses. And that was partly because of Kyle Williams. And he always just signified and represented the team in the best way possible. And he always made me think of Grandma Rita and coming to Buffalo and watching games and being with my family. So it's a sad day to see him retire from the Buffalo Bills. I know they've hinted at him coming back to the team in some other shape or form. But you know what? Can I say I won't be surprised if in April or May he decides to come back? That would be great. <laughs> yeah. I, I should hope not, actually, because, um, one, love the guy, but, you know, he didn't have his best season. But also, two, you know, as Billy alluded to, there are not a lot of guys who get to pick and have their their the, the second they walk off the field so eloquently scripted as happened today. So I hope that he takes that, understands what a special moment it was, and, and doesn't do anything that could potentially screw it up moving forward. Billy, coming to you now. Kyle Williams, what do you think of? So I think of the date March 18th, 2018, when he decided, you know what? I'm going to come back one more year, sign a one-year deal with the Bills. And, you know, he knew what he was stepping into. Maybe, maybe, right? And if, if, if he was on crazy pills, he thought they were going to reach a Super Bowl or something, right? But... I mean, <laughs> you got to be thinking at that point, you know what, like, I'm going back because I love this game. I'm going back because there's not any true leader on this team, and I think that they need a leader like me. 
and I want to lead them. And I have so much fun doing that. I want to pass on my wisdom and just continue to be part of this franchise, part of this team. Um, you know that, I mean, I don't think there's any way we, we would have been as successful as we were this year, not because of his play, but because of his leadership. Um, he, he, he was the voice. Um, and, uh, and you know, I think, I don't know, just, just really excited that he was able to contribute this year um, from a leadership standpoint and his play on the field. And, and Bill, you know, leading from there, his lasting impact from what he's shown to totally. Edmonds and that defense, Matt Milano, kind of all those young guys, uh, Harrison Phillips. Yep. What he did this year for those young guys that I think will impact this team 10 years down the road, um, I, I, you know, I'm excited to look for it, and I'm hoping that we can look back in this day and give him some credit for what he did for the team this year. And, you know, they famously talked about that moment when about a month and a half or so ago, probably when the season was on its last legs, and when they were in the, the film room for defense, when Kyle Williams had traditionally led those film sessions, he he very, I, I guess unceremoniously, but ceremoniously at the same time, passed the baton to Tremaine Edmonds and said, you know what, you make the calls, you run us through this, you tell us what we need to be looking at. And I think that's a perfect example of what Billy just talked about. And I hadn't even thought about it in that sense, Bill, and I think that's a great point that you know, you or Jeff, excuse me, Jeff gave his Labatt Blue today to the new quarterback of the defense, but, you know, what a what an outstanding service Kyle Williams did for that young man this year who just, by the way, turned 20 years old in terms <laughs> of, you know, what it means to lead this team and lead this defense in particular. <clears throat> Jeff, coming to you now, Kyle Williams. So we've we've all take we've all managed to take a moment out of his 13 year <laughs> career that all happened within the last 12 months. So I don't know if you yeah. got I don't know if you got something from the from the archives or not. It's it's actually it's hard to come up with like an old school Kyle Williams play because he just kind of played at the same level and at the same consistency the whole time. So it's hard to pick out one player that stands out because well. He, he, something he did in 2008, he probably also did in 2014. He probably also did it in 2009. So where are you going to come down as far as your Kyle Williams memory? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is. I'm, I'm, I'm almost more impressed, Lars, that you have um, a distinct memory of this play from 10 years ago with Takeo Spikes and, and the strip sack of Brady. 13 years ago, my man. Thir 13 years ago. That's, that's impressive. You don't remember my, my... that play? It was the first play of the game. It was Dante Whitner's first game. Dante Whitner got called out of bounds on a phantom. He had a pick on Brady and got called out of bounds, and he was he missed the sideline by like two feet. It was one of those. It's a play that stands out because in in, in the legends of Patriots conspiracies, like this one, like raises a huge eyebrow because he wasn't even close to the sideline. Was was coming down would have put the Bills in scoring position. It would have been Dick Duran's first game as the Bills head coach. And, yeah, the first play of the game, it was I, – I don't remember if it was Takeo Spikes got the strip sack and London Fletcher ran it, but that was the first play of the game <laughs> of the year, and we were going bananas at Lincoln Station. I can't believe you don't remember this. <laughs> it all blends together, I guess. A lot of Labatt's blue later. but um, and, and so, too, does my memory of Kyle Williams, which, to your point, I, I have a hard time picking out one specific play, and you guys took a couple of great memories. I, I guess I'll just comment for what stands out for me about his time with Buffalo is the is the um, 
is the small sample that we as fans at least have been able to hear of what he says to his teammates in the locker room. Um, you know, that stands out to me. And there's a particular moment, and I've seen the clip, and I think it's from maybe last year, where as he's talking to his teammates pre pregame, um, even Kyle Williams chokes up. Yeah. Um, talk, and I can't, I think that was last year. Lars, you seem to have a better memory for the, these than I do, but I think that was last year. Um, and, you know, the reason that stands out for me, among, among other things, is, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, sometimes I think we question, like, how much does the game really matter to some of these players? You know, I mean, they get paid a tremendous amount of money to play, and, you know, it's their job, it's their livelihood. Um, but, you know, when you have a player like Kyle Williams, who's not afraid to stand up in front of, you know, 75 grown men and tell them that he loves them, right, and tell them, you know, all of that, 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 that says something, um, and that stands out for me. And so what stands out for me about Kyle's tenure and the moments or the, is, is sort of the collective moments, if you will, of, of, his, of his locker room speeches, pregame, postgame, whatever, um, and his vulnerability, I guess perhaps you would say, to his teammates as a, as a man. Yeah, great points all around. And, you know, he made the speech in his uh, press conference earlier in the week that him and his wife moved to Buffalo when they were 22. They were freshly married. They had never lived anywhere else other than other than Louisiana. They now have five kids. So the question is, are they going to stay in Buffalo? Do you think he'll stick around, or do you think he'll you know, buy a giant plot of land in Louisiana and just cool it? He is. I know, actually, because I think McDermott, somebody made reference to it that he's built a new house in Louisiana. Ah. Um, so I do think that he will be moving the family. My, my, my uh, interpretation of that is that he'll be moving the family to Louisiana. While at the same time, it's very clear that McDermott wants to keep Kyle Williams as part of this organization in some capacity, um, likely as some special advisor or a, you know, a defensive line assistant coach or whatever it may be, but to have them. So it wouldn't surprise me if Kyle spends some time up in Buffalo throughout the year, but I don't think he's our newest, like Jim Kelly, you know, who lives there year round. I don't think that'll be the case. Wait, yeah. do, do Orchard Park uh, former residents. What about the schools in Orchard Park? Isn't it a great place to raise your kids? I don't know if he, li- I don't know if he lives in Orchard Park though. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, one reason why he might 50% not. 50% success. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his wife actually gets taught tennis um, by Mr. Mike Manzella, so I doubt that if, you know they're going to want to make sure her game stays on top. So they got to stay stay at Southtown to get taught by Mike. Maybe maybe they'll move Mike to Louisiana. Who knows? <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> well, great thoughts all around. Um, a sad day, a happy day. Again, couldn't couldn't be happier as a Bills fan that that he got to leave the game and leave this franchise on his terms. So rare anymore, but it couldn't have happened to a better guy, a better representation of this team in this community. So to that we say, go Bills. Thank you, Kyle, for everything you did for this organization. The future is bright, uh, but you will be missed. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card. Thanks, guys. This is Bills and Beers. We talk about the Buffalo Bills. We do so drinking beer. They took my menu away. I was having some kind of 9% beer, something lampshade. It was very tasty. I have since downshifted to blue light so I can keep my wits about me. Bill, having anything interesting up there in Milwaukee today? You know what? I went for the old classic, the old standby, Spotted Cow. Oh, good for you. 
Actually, have you talked about Spotted Cloud on our or Spotted Cloud? Spotted Cow on our podcast? No, never. So Spotted Cow for the uninitiated uh, is well known in the Midwest. It's it's one of those beers that they won't sell outside of the place it's made from, in this case, Wisconsin. So it's considered a bit of a delicacy in the Midwest. It's a good pale ale. It's not the best pale ale, but the fact that you can't get it outside of Wisconsin makes it uh, that much more desirable. You know, it's actually a cream ale. Oh, okay. Well, what is is Moon Man the pale ale? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, but so yeah, so but it's not the Jenny Cream Ale. Not the Jenny Cream Ale, of course not. Well, Lars, uh, the other great beer from New Glarus is Moon Man. That's what we just said. Yeah, right. Is that what you were having? Uh, that is not what I was drinking today. Actually, I was drinking one of the freshest beers brewed right here in the great state of Colorado. Nothing other than a Coors Light. Yeah. Ooh, tap the Rockies, oh, baby. Yeah. Tapping the Rockies. You're talking so, my language, baby. I'm about to go do uh, an opera ski here up at up at the mountains, and I'm going to be drinking a few more Coors Lights. So I kept it steady. I kept it low key. You know, the fresh beer right right out of Colorado. Cass, I'm so glad that you were able to get away and have some leisure time to yourself for a change. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Jeff, coming to you now. Well, I mean, I'll pick up right where Cassie left off following that Coors Light train. And I was right there with you um, with my Bud Light train. Uh, not with la- lack of Opry Ski, though. I wish I could join you for that, Cassie. That sounds very fun. Um, but the, the, like, this come, like this podcast has come to expect out of me as the light beer aficionado out of the crew. I, uh, I, I drank a few Bud Lights, but I did so with a brand new Bill's Koozie, courtesy Ooh. of, um, courtesy of uh, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Day, um, who made her debut last week. Um, yeah, and extra, so, uh, extra special thanks to uh, Mama Day, to my mother, and of course Donna Ozark, who also brought the heat last week. Couldn't have done it without the moms. We wouldn't have be here quite literally without the moms. <laughs> uh, what a performance by all, by the moms last week! And so, yeah, that's what I was drinking. How about you, Lars? Uh, well, like I said, I had a nine percent than a blue light, but thank you. Um, so, uh, I, last week we talked about, you know, all the things to hope for in 2019. Today was an opportunity to look back and then also look ahead because, you know, I, I agree with, I agree with Cass giving the Labatt Blue to Josh Allen. I agree with Jeff giving the Labatt Blue to Tremaine Edmonds. And we got quarterbacks on each side of the ball who, God help us if they can stay healthy. You know, we're pretty well set, I think. I, I like this kid. I like where we're headed. But, you know... Every year, Christmas comes and goes, and you, 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 you walk by the tree every day, you check out the gifts, and you think, well, maybe that's the thing that I was hoping for. And then, you know, you open your presents, and you don't get that thing, and everyone says, hey, did you get everything you want? And you smile and say, oh, of course I did. Thank you. It's been so generous. Thank you for all the wonderful gifts. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, God, God, that one thing, that's what I wanted. So we talked last week about what we want for 2019, but what was it about 2018 that you thought you were getting and you didn't get? Bill, we'll start with you. It was your idea. You get us going. Well, I thought I was going to get some sort of, uh, you know, I mean, I thought I was going to see Charles Clay make some, make some plays with his, uh, with his hands. Uh, I thought I was going to see some uh, deep balls caught by Zay Jones. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that I was going to be seeing Robert Foster, <laughs> right? but, um, you know, I thought I was going to see one of these guys, Jeremy Curley or Kelvin Benjamin, um, 
someone really making the receiving core what was going to be poor to begin with, at least, you know, reasonable to watch. But we did not get that. And, yeah, awesome, cool, glad that uh, – there was able to be some chemistry developed between uh, Robert Foster and Josh Allen. I look forward to uh, continuing to see that um, chemistry develop. But I'm really looking forward to us getting uh, getting a, a, another one, two receivers in here. Uh, I have no problem with them being via free agency. You get these. There's no name guys from other teams, man, that like end up making a difference, and they're just the right fit. Uh, I hope that our our um, um, management has the ability to evaluate talent a little bit better um, and has learned what it is that Josh Allen needs or is that or that is needed in this system. Um, so, hey, here's to uh, some hope for, for next year and uh, some exciting things to be watching for uh, via the draft and free agency. So I roasted Suge pretty hard at the beginning of the year when he, when he predicted that Ray Ray McLeod would be our leading receiver in 2018, um, but Robert Robert Foster almost almost got there. I think that I think that Zay Jones Zay Jones looks like he's going to finish the season with just under 660 yards, uh, so he will be the leading. Uh, he will have the most yards for any receiver on the and probably also by far the most catches. He had he had uh, north of 50 catches going into this today's game, so. Zay Jones will be the leading receiver this year, and he also will come out. You know, we, we joked Andre Holmes was the leading receiver last year in terms of touchdowns with three. Well, after two today, uh, Zay Jones will finish the season with seven. So wow. That, so that's a that's a pretty big – so Zay Jones, far and away the leading receiver of this team this year. But, uh, Bill, I'm right there with you. You know, we thought that somebody else could step up. Suge joked that it would be Ray Ray McLeod. It was almost Robert Foster – and Zay Jones kind of turned in the performance that we, we we would have expected going into the season would have been you know a B plus performance 660 yards and seven touchdowns that's that's probably probably what the best that anybody would have asked for from him. Cass, coming to you now. What was an under your Bills tree in 2018? So I'm going to take a moment because this is actually a very literal um, analysis or analogy towards this year because with my name ending in Hutton. I am still waiting not for Sutton, my not Connor Hutton uh, jersey to arrive. I did hear it was ordered. Santa's just been a little delayed on getting it up here to the mountain. So very, very excited for that. Um, you know, there's something that I've been asking for, I think, since like 2006 from the Buffalo Bills. And that is a big, wide receiver with good hands that can win a battle in the end zone, going up for a ball, whether it's a fade route or whatnot. And I thought we had it with Kelvin Benjamin. I was so excited. I originally thought we had it with James Hardy. That was a joke. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask for it. And the day that it is delivered will probably be my greatest day as a fan of the Buffalo Bills. Cassie, we told the story earlier this season on the podcast, but I was with you the day we drafted James Hardy, and I thought you were going to jump out my window. You were so excited. So excited. So I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm still waiting for it. Just the excitement, the buildup, once it happens, it's going to be so great. Well, I'm sensing a theme here, and again, I want to come back to this thing, and I, I hope I don't steal Jeff's thunder here, but you guys have both identified receiver. We also need a goddamn running game that works. So, uh, you know, I, I, and I mentioned it before. We talked about it last week, but, like, imagine – 
I, I alluded to, and I, now I can't remember because we had to record the first 10 minutes of this podcast twice. But imagine. So let me just let me just go through the numbers here real quick for you. So between that Green Bay Packers game and just before that New York Jets. So the Green Bay Packers game through the Chicago Bears game. We averaged 7.6 points per game <laughs> and 249 yards. To finish the season, we averaged 24 points per game. And I don't have the total yardage from today, but going into today's game, we were averaging 360 yards per game. So we made a turnaround from those dark days in the middle of the season where we were screaming on this podcast for for Brian Dable's nose on a plate. But absent wide receivers who can do the things we're talking about in a run game, if we could just add those two elements... What are we looking at here? Jeff, coming to you, what wasn't under your 2018 trade? I love it. I think I'm going to take a page out of uh, Bill's playbook here. Um, and, and this is the, the person I'm going to mention and the position I'm going to mention sometimes makes you realize, gosh, for how quickly the season seems to go by sometimes, how, how long ago it can seem too. because the, the wish under my Christmas tree that we didn't get was, uh, was sort of a, 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 a lockdown corner opposite Trey White. Okay. Which – which we thought that we had when we signed Vontae Davis <laughs> in the offseason. And, the, and that is what I mean by, wow, does that seem like a long time ago yeah. when Vontae Davis retired at halftime in what was the, the, the midst of the incompetence of the first quarter of this Bill season. First, court, um, first half, my man. First was that, half. Was that, the, was that the Chargers game? That was the, it was a week two. He made it one and a half games. That's it? Gosh. I think I mean, so. Um, but, God, that feels like an eternity ago. Um, but, you know, I think that in, since that, you know, we thought we had it in Vontae Davis, right, that turned out to, to not be the case. You know, then we had, uh, was it Philip Gaines? Um, uh, one of the Gaines. I think it was Philip Gaines. Um, I can't honestly remember what happened to him. Did he go to IR? Did we release him? I don't even know. Then we brought in Ryan, then we brought in Ryan Lewis for a little trial and error. You know, we had Lafayette Pitts filling in there. You know, then ultimately we sort of seem to have settled on Levi Wallace, who has performed admirably admirably for a guy that, of course, none of us knew his name uh, two and a half months ago. So so maybe we have settled in on a position there. But I just think that that's the position that comes to mind that I think we thought we had stability at in the offseason. And, it, and it, over the course of the seasons, <coughs> turned into be one of the most, um, you know, unstable positions that we had and leading to one of the most odd moves in NFL history with a player uh, retiring at halftime. Yeah, and I'm going to actually stick on that side of the ball, too. And, um, yeah, Levi Wallace did okay. Uh, and let's hope – we haven't mentioned him yet today, but Trey White, let's hope that he's, um, you know, mm-hmm. alive. Uh, he got – it's, it, you never like to see a guy fall lifeless to the ground like that after he gets blown up by a ball carrier. Uh, but I'm going to stick on that side of the ball, Jeff, because you know what wasn't under my 2018 tree was an impact defense. We had, a, we had a good defense. We had a defense that, you know, when coupled with a offense that could do just about anything, should win more games than we lose. But what we didn't have was the kind of defense, and we talked about it last week. We've been talking about it all season. Last year's playoff run was built on the back of a defense that was making plays that it had no business making, or at least not at the frequency at which it was making them. And this year, we didn't have any of those plays. They just all went away. 
And it would have been nice to get like a, a couple of those. Like we finished the season with no defensive or special teams touchdowns. That's crazy. Compared to where we came from last year, we're like, that's what made us competitive. That's what kept us in games. The fact that that all just went away. I, mean, we, I think we went into 2018 just assuming that that was going to be somewhere lurking in the background. Not not like, not like something we should rely on or something that that you know was going to change the course of the season like it did last year. But we sure as shit didn't expect it to go completely away. And it just, it just vanished. And here we are, six and ten, probably you know where Charles Clay drop away from being seven and nine, where some weird plays in the Jets game away from being eight and eight, where a, a punt block and a bunch of dumb plays in the Texans game from being nine and seven competing for the playoffs. So here we are. There's that impact defense right there. Those are three games, three games that are one or two plays away from going a different direction, from being a winning season and from potentially making the playoffs. And that's how we got into the playoffs last year. And again, not expecting it. I don't want a team that has to rely on that stuff. But for it to completely go away was something that I was not expecting at all in 2018. Yeah, and, and add on to that the fact that um, <clears throat> we had the following quarterbacks started games for the Bills this year. Nate Peterman, Derek Anderson, Matt Barkley. In three right? consecutive games, man. We right. went four consecutive games with different starting quarterbacks. Right. Um, uh, two of whom uh, we signed to the team within a week and a half of their first start. But I agree with your first point, with your overarching point, Lars. And it, it's funny. It's actually one of yeah, I'm not I'm no expert on these sort of the advanced metrics that people use to predict win-loss um, for teams. But it's one of the reasons that <laughs> – um, despite winning last nine games last year, the consensus number of games for the Bills this year was um, was around six. Um, I think and that, aside, Vegas had this team at five and a half, right? Five and a half. You know, and, and among them, of course, what was you know losing Tyrod and having unknown quarterback, but but also among them was the you know one of the, the these stats that are looked at around special teams plays, defensive turnovers, uh, field goal kicker percentage. And um, and fumbles number of your fumble recovery percentage, the amount of balls that go on the turf. Yes. And essentially, those are stats that I think the advanced metrics teams, generally speaking, are going to say there's little consistency year over year. And so, because the Bills in 2017 had such like a disproportionate advantage on those, the expectation was that it was going to come down. Which, to your point, it has. Now it's come down significantly. Um, and in the hope for a team like Buffalo is. With six wins this season, with those four courting, those four quarterbacks that had started um, a total of four or five games, with a rookie QB, with no special teams performance, um, with with no meaningful, um, you know, uh, with an average to slightly below like uh, explosion play on defense, the expectation, hopefully, again, it's it's just a more fuel to the fire for for next year's excitement, which we're already going to be building over the next five months. So, with that in mind, Jeff, last this year's line, five and a half games, down three and a half games from the number of games they actually won last year. Does that mean it goes up to nine and a half? <laughs> I don't see it at nine and a half, but I, I, ten, my, my, ten, my early guess ten. is, is, is eight, eight and a half, ten. something like that. I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just incredible that we went from – and we said as much last year on the pod. We, we kept saying, like – we're so used to watching this team that gets no breaks. The ball never bounces in our direction. And suddenly, 
every every time something weird happens, it's in our favor. And we kept saying that over and over last year, and man, we got sucked down to earth so fast this year. It was it wasn't like it split the difference; like it just all went away. And with it, three wins year over year. I don't expect that to be sustainable. I think that we're gonna maybe split the difference between last year and this year, next year. And, uh, you know, if Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen stay healthy, we got a run game that works, we get a wide receiver core that works out, watch out, Patriots. We're coming for you. <laughs> We're coming, baby. And you know what? We also now have guaranteed a top ten pick. The Bills will pick either ninth or tenth in the draft. So Fucking um, A. That's right. So we love it. And the Patriots, but, the Patriots are dead and dying, so now's a good time to go for them. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, it's been a great season. 2018 was a uh, season of must-see TV as far as Josh Allen goes. The rest of it kind of sucked. But as always, we're very grateful to our listeners, Dweller fans, everybody who interacts with us on social media. We will be back in the offseason to talk to you again, and uh, we'll be keeping tabs on what this Buffalo Bills team does, so we'll have plenty to offer when that time comes but until then uh looks like the uh Steelers might be missing the playoffs if this Ravens team wins looks like the Patriots are back into having a first round bye so all is technically right in the universe hopefully we we disrupt that soon uh and when that happens I'll be here Cass will be here Jeff Bill and of course Sujit will be here too but until then go Bills go Bills baby go Bills Make me wanna Shout.